0: dot com and definitely check out those shows as well. I hope you'll all check out the all new Zibby Mag, Z-I-B-B-Y-M-A-G, the literary lifestyle destination with essays, book news, a lit lifestyle feature, and even some classes. Check it out, zibbymag.com. Dylan Dreyer is the author of Misty the Cloud, A Very Stormy Day. This is one of the 30-plus episodes guest-hosted by amazing women podcasters and authors this year. This one is hosted by Julianna Goldman, founder of Mama Den, and a podcaster herself. Dylan Dreyer is a meteorologist for NBC News, a co-host of The Third Hour of Today, and the host of Earth Odyssey with Dylan Dreyer. She's covered hurricanes with 130-mile-per-hour winds, but she loves a nice breeze when she walks her dog, Bosco. She has stood out in six feet snowstorms, which is taller than her, but she loves to go sledding with her sons, Calvin and Oliver. She has watched roads turn into rivers during strong thunderstorms, but loves to splash in puddles. She's traveled the country and has been to 49 states and the world, and has even been to the North Pole. She loves the weather and thinks the world is a fascinating place. She lives in New York City with her husband, Brian, their sons, Calvin and Oliver, and their dog, Bosco. Follow her on Instagram and Twitter at Dylan Dreyer
2: NBC. All right, Dylan Dreyer, thank you so much for being here.
1: Oh, it's so nice to be with you.
2: So tell us about Misty the Cloud. Who is this mysterious character? Well,
1: this mysterious character was just a... a figment of my imagination. I mean, really, it's just, I've always looked up at the sky, you know, as a meteorologist, but beyond that thinking, what if there was this really cool world up in the sky, you know, like when we're little and we're scared of thunder and your mom says, you know, well, it's just the angels bowling. Well, what if there were actually clouds up there doing something that made the weather as it is, you know, and, and in the, the Case of the first book, it was Misty having a bad day, and it turns into this thunderstorm. And in the second book, it's about sunshine and clouds kind of competing for the same space in the sky, and they have to learn to share, compromise, and work together. And beautiful things happen when they do. In this, in this case, a rainbow.
2: Do you think you had to be a mom to come up with this concept?
1: <laughs> well, it's funny because my husband and I first came up with this concept years ago. I mean, before, when we first moved to New York City before we ever had kids, and The book didn't come out till last year, you know? So it goes to show you how much goes into trying to pitch an idea like this, trying to sell this idea to somebody. And then once we had kids over the course of that time, we really changed how we approached the book. You know, like I, I had to find a co-author who could write in the voice of a children's book author because I realized that I didn't know how to write like a children's book author because I'm a scientist, you know? I also didn't have kids when I wrote the first iterations of the book. And now that I have kids, I read to them all the time. And I realized it's just a different cadence. It's a different way of writing. It's a way that is fun for adults, but also enjoyable for kids to listen to. So we, we definitely had to change a lot and kids played a big role in that once once we got closer to actually getting this done.
2: <laughs> What's an example of like something that you wrote before you had a kid that then you changed?
1: First, uh, the book was called like Puff <laughs> instead of Misty the Cloud. So it had to be more specific. I realized, you know, Puff could be re- really anything. And obviously in our minds, it's Puff the Magic Dragon. But it was... It- It was so much wordier. I realized when I wrote the first couple of books, it was this Word document that was so many pages long and so detailed and so wordy that it was almost tedious to read out loud. And now I notice, okay, let's let the pictures do a lot of the talking. Let's keep the dialogue nice and short. Let's make it fun for kids and easy to understand. So we definitely simplified it a lot. And Rosie, our illustrator, Rosie Butcher put so much of the context into the pictures themselves. So we didn't have to say everything with words.
2: The graphics are so beautiful and so fun and whimsical.
1: Thank you. It was incredible that, what you see on the paper is literally what was in my head. And the fact that Rosie was able to just take my abstract descriptions of what I wanted the characters in this world to look like and put it into something like this book, its I don't know how she did it, um, but she's amazing.
2: So one of the things that I love so much in the book and as a mom I've two young kids who I can't wait to read this with them um you know on days when it's raining I'm like oh the the clouds are crying see some days the clouds have mm-hmm. sad days too or Okay. Admittedly, sometimes I'll say the clouds are peeing just to try and break (laughs) up a fight or something.
1: I've tried to work that in, but we're not sure appropriately we can do that yet. (laughs) Really? (laughs) I
2: love it. I endorse, (laughs) but I love that there's a little bit more science to this or, you know, there, there are other things that could be going on in the sky, just aside from the clouds crying or peeing.
1: <laughs> well, that was that's what I've been having so much fun with because you know, the first book it really made so much sense to me to kind of correlate this feeling of waking up on the wrong side of the bed and having just things seem to pile up and your' just frustrations and your anger kind of develop over the course of the day you just explode in this really bad mood kind of like how a thunderstorm sort of you know develops over the course of the day and explodes into a thunderstorm but with the second book I wanted to make sure it wasn't like every time it was raining Misty's having a bad day because in some areas it can rain a lot and I want Misty to be a happy character and a character that everybody can relate with you know and I, I want kids to be able to relate to being in a bad mood but also in this particular book, it's just they're playing a fun water game. So you never know exactly what's happening as to why it's raining, you know, in your particular area here on earth. But I wanted to give so many different options, and I think that's what's been so fun, is I first come up with a weather element that I want to talk about, whether it's thunderstorms, this one happened to be rainbows, in the future I want to talk about fog, and I sort of come up with the science behind, okay, here's why it happens, and how can we work that into some emotions, because there's this odd parallel between the weather and our emotions, I think it dictates how we feel, I know there are times where I want to go out and grab a drink with some friends because it's nice and sunny, and then of a sudden it gets cloudy and I'm like, yeah, I just kind of feel like sitting at home. You know, it just, it dictates how I feel all the time, but that's, what's been fun. It's like this little puzzle to put together. What would be happening up in the clouds, you know, from a emotional standpoint, that would make a foggy day, that would make a sunny day, that would make a tornado or a hurricane, you know, some severe weather. So it's, it's really been a fun puzzle to put together. And we have so many ideas in the, in the pipeline of, of what we could actually do with with the science behind it. Cause I, I love that element to it.
2: I think it's so brilliant to link weather patterns and, and emotions. And mm-hmm. I mean, I know even just dealing with my own kids this morning and finally getting them off to school and feeling like I had just experienced a tornado or, you know, <laughs> but, but also it, it teaches kids that, it reminds them that the emotions that they feel are what we feel also. Yes. And it relates that back to them, I think, which is really important.
1: Exactly. And I think that's one thing I've learned now having three kids of my own, especially my oldest son, who is just sometimes an emotional roller coaster, you know. But I want to talk about emotions and not great emotions, too. Like when you feel angry or feel frustrated or you just want to scream. I mean, because I, I feel like they have all those emotions and it's okay to feel that way. But what's important is what you do with those emotions, because the way you react to something or the way you act in general impacts people around you. Just like whatever happens in the weather world, it impacts all of us here on the ground, you know? So whether it's raining or it's sunny or it's a drought because it's not raining, you know, maybe there's an issue going on there, but I just want the book in and of itself, to be about emotions and how you handle those emotions and how you talk about those emotions and just relate those to what kids can understand. So we don't beat you over the head with the science in the book. Yes, it's kind of the backstory with weather, but the back pages are for the science, you know, because there are some kids who really just have this passion for weather and have always loved it and that's where I can kind of explain the science behind a thunderstorm or a rainbow or fog or whatever, you know, the weather element is. Then it helps teachers, too, and parents who are trying to explain this. But for the kids who don't want to get into the science and, yeah, they like weather but don't want to know the backstory, then they could just skip those pages. <laughs>
2: I appreciate you saying that about your son, because I often feel that way about my son as well. And I feel like sometimes these kinds of books might be a little more gendered and, and speak more to girls versus boys. And it's so nice that you read this and it doesn't feel that way.
1: I'm glad you say that because that's what I was hoping. And, you know, we kind of kept the main characters, females, just me being a female meteorologist. That was also on one level, important to show that girls can be really good in science and and science for girls and STEM and all that kind of stuff. I wanted to promote that because that's the upbringing I had was just being introduced to science early on and loving it and math and all that. But I also raised boys and I noticed there are so many books that go in one direction or the other. And this is just, this is weather. So that's why there's Misty and she's a girl and there's Claire and she's a girl, but their friends are, are boys. I grew up with older brothers, you know, and I, I think having boys and I'm, I'm, you know, big into girl power and stuff, but I'm also, I want to be a proponent for boy power too, in, in a good way, you know, raising kind boys, raising boys who are respectful of, of the girls they're having play dates with, you know, and, and just, I, I want to raise good
2: boys. 100%. Tell us more about Dylan the Scientist.
1: <laughs> well, Dylan, a scientist, was quite the nerd. I actually went to school for engineering. Uh, for some reason, I was never really exposed to weather growing up in school. I loved the weather. I loved sitting on the front porch with my brothers watching thunderstorms roll through. And, you know, I just, I've always had a thing for the weather and watching clouds in the sky and all that kind of stuff. But I don't know why I didn't know it was something I could study. And when I went to school, I thought, I like math, I like science, I'm going to be an engineer. That's just, That's what I'm going to go to school for. And as, you know, my freshman and sophomore year went on, I was like, oh, but I can study meteorology. Let me take this class because I like weather. And it turns out all my math and science credits could switch over easily to meteorology. And I just kind of pursued that path. And I was going to go into research or forensic meteorology or, you know, a desk job as a scientist. But then when I had an internship at WCBS in New York City, I was like, oh, it's kind of fun to do all this research and do all this work and work on the graphics and make the forecast and then get to talk to people about it. So it really happened organically. There was no big goal to get on TV someday. And that's just kind of how it happened.
2: If you weren't on TV, would you still be in science or doing meteorology in some or another. For sure.
1: Because TV was a curveball. That was that internship. I decided that's awesome. You know, I love this side of things, but if I never had that internship, I, I would have just stayed the course, you know, working at the national weather service or maybe working for an airline or, you know, just maybe starting a company and making my own personal forecast for companies that the other companies that need it. So um, I would have definitely stayed in that lane. I love weather so much.
2: Well, and that's I think what makes you so great at what you do is that that passion Mm -hmm. like jumps through the screen.
1: Oh, thank you. It's Mm -hmm. easy to talk about something when you when you really like it. And you know, sometimes when I talk to schools, they're like, "Are you nervous when you go on TV?" And it's you know, I get more nervous when I'm interviewing a celebrity or if I'm you know whether I can just talk about. I can wake up in the morning and find out like, oh, owl's off today. I need to go do weather, and I can just I can talk about weather. It's just it's what I know, and I especially love explaining weather in a way. that people can understand, you know, cause it can be a complicated science, but I like to break it down in a way that makes it tangible and, and easy to understand.
2: Can you take us back to, I would just want to like draw that passion out a bit more and to take us back to sitting on your front porch or <laughs> you know, like really what you love, what yeah. you love about it, what you find so interesting.
1: I, I mean, I can still, I mean, I grew up in the same, I grew up in the house my dad built. So it's the only house I knew growing up and uh, I can close my eyes and I could walk through the whole house with my eyes closed. Like I can just feel the feelings of walking out the front door. I can hear the door shut. And I would just sit there on this black bench, very uncomfortable bench that my parents had on this like covered porch kind of thing. And we lived in the woods. So there, there wasn't a lot of sky that we could see, but you could hear the wind get more and more intense through the trees. And I always knew that it that lightning was dangerous, you know? And if you were in a car, you were safe because of the rubber on the tires. Well, I thought, and nobody corrected me probably because my parents didn't know any different. I would put sneakers on my hands thinking the rubber soles on the sneakers would protect me. Clearly, I didn't know the science behind electricity (laughs) at the time. And I would sit on the front porch, listen to the wind, hear the rumbles of thunder and see like the whole, like everything just light up. And I'd be sitting there on the bench with my sneakers on my hands.
2: (laughs) By yourself,
1: by myself. Sometimes I drag my brothers out there with me, but I'm glad I live to tell about it.
2: <laughs> I feel like that should be a scene in one of the next books. Yeah.
1: <laughs> don't do this. Yeah.
2: <laughs> lessons, lessons from the Stila Club.
0: Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from everything iconic, ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget
2: Well, you know, being on TV, you sort of have like two lives, right? There's the life in front of the camera and the life behind the camera with three young boys at home. What does your life look like on the other side?
1: There's a lot of joy. I mean, yeah, there are some times where I get really stressed, usually when I'm not sleeping, you know, and the good thing about this job is all my notes for the show that day are sitting on my desk when I come in in the morning. So I have my routine routine. I'm spoiled because somebody else does my hair and makeup. So I can sit there and read my notes while that's all getting done. But give yourself
2: some credit. What time is that in the morning?
1: You don't, it depends if I'm in for Al, that's like five o'clock in the morning. If I'm just doing the third hour, that's like seven o'clock, which is, you know, that's reasonable. It's it's reasonable, but it's still, you know, it's still early, still early. Um, But I don't have to bring my job home with me. You know, like when the show's over at 10, if I don't have a shoot that day or something, you know, to do that was scheduled through work. I mean, 10 o'clock, I can usually get home, get something done, make lunch for the boys. Then they'll go take a nap and then I'll cook dinner, you know. So, like, my day is pretty it's, it's on a pretty tight schedule. I mean, if we're not eating dinner at five o'clock, it's like, okay, well, what's going on right now that we're not eating dinner at five o'clock because five o'clock is when we eat dinner. And as soon as dinner's done, we're going to take our baths. And it there's, there's a strict schedule in the house and the boys seem, it works for them. You know, I mean, seven o'clock, the baby's asleep and in bed. And then seven 15, we're reading books or I'm reading a book with Oliver and, and Calvin. And then seven 30, they're in bed. You know, it's like, it's, I think they do better on having that routine, but when things get thrown for a loop and I get stressed out, <laughs> things can sometimes, you know, take a turn. And I feel like when I'm stressed, it makes the kids stressed. So I'm, I'm always just trying to uh, take a deep breath. Like the other day I had to drive up to Boston for, for a book signing and the car, there was a car service that picked me up because just like a whole long story. So I had Ollie and Calvin or Ollie and B- and Rusty, the baby in the car and everything was going nice and smooth. And then the car starts overheating. So we have mm-hmm. to keep pulling over to the side of the road. And I keep asking like, if everything's okay. And we're trying to get another car. And now the kids are awake from their little nap here and they're crying and they're upset. And throughout the whole time, I just took This deep breath, and I'm like, this is out of my hands. There's nothing I can do. And the driver even said to me, She's like, How are you being so calm? Because this is this is like really stressful. This has turned into a six hour drive. And I said, Can you do anything about it? No. Can I do anything about it? No. So let's let's just roll with it, you know? And Ollie's laughing in the background. And it was just, you know, it was just, I try to find joy where I can. And, you know, yes, some days are stressful, but sometimes like just, just what can you do?
2: (laughs) It sounds like another scene from a future book, but, (laughs) but I love what you said about routine also, because like so much about being a mom is carrying the mental load. And I at least appreciate that. Like when you can have some semblance of a routine, it makes the mental load that much, that much easier. It just like takes a few items off your plate.
1: I agree, because even if, you know, say dinner doesn't happen at five and say it happens at six instead, well, let's regroup let's reset at seven because seven's when the baby's going to go to sleep, and then you know there's always those times you can strive for it to reset.
2: Right. Where did you find time to write the books?
1: <laughs> well, it's it's a long process to to write a, a children's book between the editing and the going back and forth, you know on the actual words in the book and then going back and forth on the actual illustrations in the book. So it's kind of all spaced out. And I feel like every week I can block out some time to get it done. You know, so for example, the other day during the Queen's funeral, there was a lot of standby time because of the hurricane in Puerto Rico. I was going I was going to do a weather hit, but it just never really worked out. So during that time, I was actually editing our, our fourth book, which is a step in the reading book. So I was able to, you know, kind of read through it and make my corrections and then I'll Look at it again later and make more corrections. And then I'll send it to my co author and see what he thinks. And I just kind of, you know, when I have a moment where I can just sit here or I'm waiting for something or I'm in the doctor's office or, you know, you can always kind of just do things a little bit and then do a little bit more later, you know. Otherwise, you're so overwhelmed trying to think I have to do this all at once. I'm a big fan of, even when I watch TV, my husband's like, you don't have an hour to watch the last episode of Better Call Saul. And it's like, yeah, but I've got 15 minutes. So I'll watch 15 minutes and I'll come back to it later. He doesn't understand how I can do that.
2: That's still some pretty baller multi- multitasking. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's, it's very nice to hear that because I mean, I don't really look at it much more than just get filling up the time.
2: Well, it's like how I get things done. Yeah, that's like <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's true.
2: So you're you're editing. You're working on a fourth book. So that means there's that means a third book is
1: in the work on the yes. way. The, the next two are step into reading books, like early okay. readers, mm-hmm. uh, which has actually worked out great because Calvin, uh, my oldest, he's five and a half. I kind of look to him for the first two books. You know, I would read him every iteration of of the book. And if he liked it, I kept that line in. If he didn't like it or he looked confused, I sort of reworked that line. But the next two books to come out are going to be right in line with him and his, you know, reading journey as as a little kid. So I can't wait for him to see the next ones and get his opinion on those.
2: And well, that my son is five and a half too. And I was thinking okay. that he would really love At the end of the books, the activities, Mm -hmm. will the early readers have those activities as well? I wanted
1: to do the activities in, in the early readers, but we kind of pulled back. Uh, so the science is more worked into the story, which is mm. difficult in an early reader because yeah. it's science. So there are some words. I Big mean, words, it's, yeah. Like temperature and equator. And, you know, there's science words. So you have to figure out how to say a different way, which is, is really tough to do. But that's what we... So the first two books with the science in the back, we thought that's what kind of made it different and made it stand out. And with the step into reading books, we wanted to work science in to the story, which we think is different than, you know, a typical step into reading book. So, but I also didn't want to take away from future picture books and and do something so involved that I would want those back pages. So like the, the step into reading book, the first one that we're doing is kind of about a sea breeze. So it's a very basic concept that I can work into the book, but there wouldn't really be an experiment, I would think, on a sea breeze. I'd have to think about it, but we kind of kept the the concepts a little simpler.
2: Well, I can't wait to see those. That's exciting. Thank you. One, one thing I want to ask is, you know, something that's so unique about the Today Show, I think, is that so many of the principals, the anchors, are mothers. Yes. Can you talk about what that's like working in that kind of environment? Because I think that's pretty unique, whether it's in, mm-hmm. in media and TV or any other business where you have all these like high-level women working together who are mothers and mothers of young children. Also. I think
1: that's what makes it really different. You know, Al Roker, I think, is the only one who has older kids. I mean Chanel's kids are a little bit older, but we we are all kind of in the same boat. I remember when I was pregnant with Calvin, Savannah was pregnant with Charlie and Hoda and I are actually Neighbors, so our kids are basically the same age. Like the oldest is five and a half, and I think her youngest is three, and all turning three soon. So I mean, they're so close in age that they've become really good friends, and we eat dinner over each other's homes. And you know, it's it's just it's special because we get it. Um, there are times where I'm just say stressed about traveling or whatever. And I remember when we were over in Korea for the for the Olympics several years ago before COVID. Savannah and I both had. And and Hoda too, we all had one-year-olds at home and it just makes it easier. It's like, oh my gosh, I don't want to do this. I can't believe I have to leave my one-year-old for three weeks, but okay, you're doing it too and you're doing it. Okay, how are you going to get through it? Okay, good. All right, well, if you can do it, I can do it. And there's just like like a buddy sort of thing. You know, when your friend is going through the same thing you're going through, it just makes it like, okay, I'm not alone. If she can do it, I can do it as simple as that.
2: Was it helpful during COVID also, especially?
1: Yes. Cause we were all trying to maneuver working from home and it was almost refreshing when our kids would pop into the scene or, or something would happen where we couldn't keep our kids hidden in the background. And I, I think that's what made COVID special from a today's show standpoint was, you know, we're bringing people into our homes literally because we're in your home every day. And we're trying to navigate this whole new world too. And our kids are at home while we're trying to work from home and things don't always go as planned. Um, And we all just kind of rolled with it, but it it certainly made it easier knowing everybody was in the same boat.
2: And it's so nice because you, at the same time, all of you, and I see with you, especially you, you know, you, you show what it's like to be a parent, you post pictures with your kids. (laughs) And, and so you guys, it helps, internally, it helps you guys internally ease the isolation, but also externally with viewers and people who are watching at home, they see that they're also in a similar boat.
1: Yeah. And I, I mean, that was, I don't know if it was a decision my husband and I talked about, you know, if we were going to put our kids out there on social media. I think when you work at the Today Show, certain times of year, we tend to put our kids out there. You know, we always post pictures of our kids during the holidays and we'll always do a Mother's Day special or our kids surprise us in some form or another. So I I knew working at the Today Show, our families would be out there for the public to see. And my husband just he puts together really funny videos of our kids and he captures moments in our our house that I think are really special that I just like to share. I don't I I'm, I'm an open book. You know, I I don't really hide anything. I'm a terrible liar. Like I just put my I just I just put myself out there and. I'm just a regular mom just trying to get by. My house is a mess. Oftentimes, any video you see that happens in my house, the house is a disaster because there's, there's not enough time to clean up the house and I'm not necessarily a neat person. And I find when I post something like that, I get more comments like, thank you for showing your house is a mess because my house is also a mess. And it just, again, that whole thing of it just makes you feel better knowing someone else is going through the same thing.
2: Totally. It's not just you. Exactly. It's not just your kid. Okay. Um, well, thank you. I know you mentioned Better Call Saul, but on the book front, what do you read for fun and any book recommendations right now?
1: It's very rare that I actually get to, to read for fun. Although we had someone on the show a couple of weeks ago who recommended Hotel Nantucket. So okay. I took a copy home with me because it was just sitting there on the table. And that's what by Ellen Hildebrand. So that's, that's what I'm actually reading before bed. And it's been one of the best things. Like normally I'll try to watch something on TV before I go to bed, but it has been the thing I look forward to when the boys are asleep. I just snuggle up in my bed, my dog sitting right next to me. And I read a chapter or two before I fall asleep. And it's just, I remember why I liked reading so much because it just takes you to another place and you're just, you're you're escaping for a little bit, but I I do tend to like books where I can escape, you know, a mystery or a romance novel or something I don't have to think about.
2: (laughs) Amen, sister. (laughs) Well, Dylan Dreyer, thank you so much for the time. It's been great chatting with you.
1: You too. Thank you so much. Sure. Bye.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of moms don't have time to read books.